0: Welcome back to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, uh, John Larson. We're here in Studio Fist in Your Face with another great, wonderful studio audience. I tried to signal them to clap extra loud because we're small in numbers. We're here early tonight um, because sometimes I want to do other things at night. (laughs) There's no other reason (laughs) than that. All right. First of all, let's introduce the um, the, the panel. Um, to my left is the the fabulous, the wise, the one and only Lindsay Park. Hi, Lindsay.
1: Hi, John. Thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. And we're going to turn that frown upside down before the end of the night because we get oh. to talk. We get to talk about male privilege sometimes tonight, <laughs> uh, which is uh, which is really really important.
1: Nothing makes me smile like like hating on men.
0: Yeah, yeah. If if you if you if you really treat me nice, I'll throw a rape joke in.
1: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you can throw some rum into my cup too.
0: <laughs> Alright, and also joining us is, is, uh, is Terrell. This is your first time on Terrell, right? This
2: is my first time.
0: Welcome, Terrell. Um, and, um, we're gonna come back and sort of introduce who who we are in a little bit and why we're all on this panel. Other than that, we're all very attractive. Have you noticed that the okay. panel is stacked with very attractive people today? <laughs> Thank, I appreciate that. I yeah. gotta say
1: though, you you've got this John DeLynn thing going on. When I you're Ooh. so tall, it's like I mean that as a compliment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: come on, you guys. Jeez, no, you just like I I was with John DeLynn at the vigil this last week. And when I stand by him I'm like, You're so tall. You are so tall, Terrell. I
2: think uh six eight, you
0: know. Six <laughs> eight. Yep. You what know you that... you're
1: like two of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. You know, there's studies that show that 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 um hair and height are highly correlated with um corporate success. You've got the hair, you got the height. I'm expecting you to go places, man.
2: I'm not sure about the hair, though. I'm getting bald up here on top, so uh, no one can see it
0: because I'm tall. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of the benefit of that. And joining us for uh, – Mark, is this your first time? My good friend Mark is here. It is. All right. Well, welcome, Mark. Um, Thanks I'm, for I'm, having me. I'm excited to to hear from you all. Um, okay. Let's start with the news. It's been a slow week <laughs> and more and more of the news. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, actually, there are, there are, there are three, three important stories, and, and I'm going to bring them up, and I'm going to table, kind of table the first one, um, because it's actually really big news um, for those who know the church, and, and, and from my own personal experience. This last week, the church ended LDS adoption. Um, and if you, if you understood the amount of effort, treasure, time, and all that the church has put into LDS adoptions, because it was very important for the church to place, um, babies with LDS families on two fronts. First of all, they didn't want to lose the babies to, you know, Catholics or anything like that. And secondly, um, because having children is so important in the LDS paradigm that being a couple that doesn't have children, I, I speak from personal experience, is a really tough place to be in. And the church understands that because if the purpose of life is to have children and you marry and you can't have children, well, you're fucked. So, um, I was going to make a dirty joke, but I decided to leave it. So, so this is, this is, this is a big thing. And, um, odds are likely, like other conservative institutions who've been dropping adoption, this is in preparation for the coming legal battles over, um, gay, gay marriage. Um, and, um, potentially being forced. This, this is what, what the pundits are theorizing. Potentially being forced to, um, um, allow people who are not LDS to adopt. This is the word on the street. Mark, you're kind of squinting at me.
3: Well, I I don't know how you would know that. I, I will say, though, that my one of the people I work with uh, was the guy who uh, years ago, he's adopted like 28 children, mm-hmm. and um, he put it that he was on the state adoption board or whatever it's called, and he actually was the guy that put a specific exemption for same-sex couples in the statute. And so he is apoplectic about what's happening right
0: now. I, I think this is one we'll have to watch further, and I, I want to investigate. Because having gone through the system, and I went through the system, not only I adopted both my children through LDS, but Zilpha and I actually fostered um, a pregnant um, woman through LDS. So, so um, oftentimes... Um, um, and 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 I don't have as many bad things to say about LDS Family Services. A lot of people do. My experiences were generally positive. Um, and I also was a foster parent, by the way. Um, Zilpa and I were foster parents for about a year and a half um, for 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 children. But um, for example, a, a lot of not a lot, but it doesn't happen unfrequently. LDS families, on discovering that their daughters are pregnant, will throw them out of the house. Um, and LDS Family Services actually takes care takes these women in and places them with people like me. Um, that's before I became the son of a bitch I am today. Well, I, I was kind of, uh, I was kind of that way under the closet. But that's before they knew. That's where they knew. So they, but, but no, no, we had a, we had a wonderful experience. But um, no, the, um, so so this is my experience. LDS Family Services actually does deal with um, with some real issues and help solve things. But adoption for that, that this this is this is enormous as far as I'm concerned.
3: My, my wife, when she was, uh, much younger, uh, was pregnant while not married and attended a singles ward while obviously pregnant, which is unusual, I would say. But she was pressured repeatedly by the bishop to give that baby up. Uh, he would hand her literature almost every week. It was really, uh, unseemly, I would say.
0: The, they, they were definitely high pressure. Um, and a part of it, well, my, I think it's a discussion for another day. Another day. Uh, But I'm going to bring you back, Mark. All right. Um, The church has continued its um, candy ass um, campaign to sue little people using the term Mormon, um, and a Canadian polygamist, um, a small polygamist sect in Canada, who is using the name Mormon somehow, was slapped with a lawsuit from the church. Church claiming that people will confuse um, the confuse the LDS. Utah Mormon Church with a right wing whacked out guy with multiple wives up in Canada, which is fair, which is fair you know you can see how they they could in fact make that confusion so um, <laughs> but, but um, i it's uh, the the church is the church is doing this strategically just to try to they're going after the little guys, right because there's been plenty of people using the term Mormon all over the place for a long long time, and I do believe mark you might correct me if I'm wrong i believe there's been there's been case law that's gone um, before the courts where the church has been overruled on this point before
3: I, i'm not familiar oh, with you're it. not
0: familiar no. um, but there's people like me who've been using the term Mormon for a long time and people have been using it a lot longer than that and and so it's unlikely that unless the church gets on some squeaky technicality they 'd win but I don't think they're looking to win they're looking to um, bully um, these little these little ventures into dropping the term
3: just as a side note he's located in a city called bountiful in oh Canada. bountiful yeah. Yeah, yeah just a coincidence i'm sure
0: well that i mean that's up there in the, in the mormon corridor. the mormon corridor sweat stretches from uh way up in the frozen north to way down to juarez and below so <laughs> okay um Another little story, Uh, we talked last week, uh, I think for about 45 minutes, I went on and uh, on. Lindsay, did you listen to my stuff? No. Good, because it might have triggered you. All right. um, (laughs) I I concluded that, um, well, I can't can't remember where I ended up. I I, I took it from all angles. Um, The church um, decided to um, really dick it up and do the stupidest thing they could do. And they excommunicated Kate Kelly yesterday. Um, I have said before that the church is broken. I've used the word the church is broken. I, I'm, I'm repenting from that. Because broken in our society now implies that you can fix something. So I am now scratching the term broken from my vocabulary. The church is total. The church is ruined. The church is destitute. The church is irredeemable. Um, the church itself... Listen, here's what excommunication means to the church. It is the worst possible thing that these sons of bitches can do to somebody. For those who don't know, according to the church now, they just told Kate Kelly what kind of underwear she can wear. They have the gall to go after what's most precious to Mormons, which is eternal families, And they just told her she can't have her husband after she dies. This is the motherfucking sickest thing anybody can do. And the fact that they would do it, these men would sit in that corner. It's not about power. It's about male power. It's about dominance. It's about misogyny. And and it is the most cruel and abusive thing that any organization can do. I've been sitting here saying for years that the church is broken. This is what I'm talking about. I've been saying that the churches have to come down because the churches do shit like this. It's awful. It's... um The, the cruelty is, is immeasurable. The public shaming, the... The fact that they would do this in secret, mind you, these 15 men, without her even present, speaks to the lowest of the low to go after somebody. People ask me why I'm angry. I'm not angry. But the church is fucking corrupt. And this is why. Now... The reason Lindsay is, 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 is my friend. And the reason I call her all the time and have her advise me. Is cause I keep saying we need to burn this motherfucker down. And Lindsay keeps reminding me that there's still people in the building. God, the, the pain, you know, that, 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 that has been, that has been spat across the land. On what principle? On a a woman who wants to be recognized as being a human being. A woman who wants to be seen as equal. A woman who wants to contribute. And this woman is, is brilliant. She's accomplished. And she is not arrogant. She hasn't been at all. In everything she said, she has come out... Just, just saying, listen to us, recognize us, we're here. And they park a motherfucking dump truck in front of her. Can you all see what I've been saying? For 10 years, 10 years, I've been dealing with the bullcrap, floats them and jets them from this church. The people that they throw away. The, the lives that they intentionally try to ruin. But. I'm not as upset as some. Because the church just, in this 15th century behavior, did the worst possible thing they could do to themselves. She's on the front page of the New York Times. What they just did is they created somebody who's going to be in the history books. They took somebody they should have just, from a strategic political point of view, ignored, and they turned her into a martyr. They took their fucking Mormon moment, And they spun it on its head. Because the this country is full of right-wing, zealotted bigoted retards. But the church has power and they're in suits. And they just stepped into the public light. They just stepped forward in a way that people can see what they're doing. And all of this has been set up to this moment. And everybody is watching. And the guys in Salt Lake... Let those 15 morons in Virginia just throw the entire church under the bus. And it's going to get bloody. This was a bad, bad move. And the fact that Salt Lake didn't call to shut them down, people have been theorizing and and having conspiracy theories on whether the church is orchestrating this. Obviously not. Because if they were, they would have stopped this from happening. And the fact that they didn't has put them in a bad, bad spot. The church is up against, in a corner. Uh, it's, it's game over. Right? For, for, for the church. It's done. Now, w- whether it's game over in 30 years or 130 years, I don't know. But they've lost. It's, 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 they've got nowhere to go now.
3: Isn't, isn't the more frightening prospect that they were orchestrating it? I mean, that's possible. And if that's true, that's even, think about that.
0: I can't believe they're that inept
3: i I think that they wanted to make her the other i've I've written about this. I think that they wanted her to be evil and scary for all of the innocent young women that were following her and by by excommunicating her. i mean i I don't think it was the right move, but I think there is an argument to be made that the church felt like they needed to
0: protect its flanks they did they, they they've got nowhere to go and in one night. A single douchebag bishop did more damage to the church than somebody like me has done in ten years. I mean, this this this, this guy—they're plastered all over the press everywhere. Everyone is watching. Everyone is watching the next move. And whatever cover the church used to run under—political or conservative or Glenn Beckyism is gone. They are exposed <laughs> and they are naked, and and they've got nowhere to run. They've got they've got nowhere to go. Um, the, the, or, ordained women, um, I, 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 I believe, like I said last week, is completely genuine in, in their motives. And I am 100% behind them in all of their underlying motives of equal rights and equal access and that, and that women should be treated the same as men. Where we disagree is I think that the church is ruined. It's not, it's, it's, it's not salvageable. And, and what I am going to enjoy watching is Kate Kelly and others because she's not the only one Hannah wheelwright and and, and some of these others are, are trying are actively being silenced that when when these women out of a really good place, there's a real good reason they're trying to go after those people in the building and that's coming from a genuine place of honesty and kindness. But what I am excited about even though I'm I'm mourning with my friends who mourn, I'm excited that the, the, the invisible shackles that were put on these women have been taken off and there's nothing holding her back now. Kay Kelly's voice has been unleashed and what she can accomplish and what others can do now is legion. And I'm just excited to be able to see that and, and witness it. It is terrible that, that this thing had to happen. And it is terrible we've come to this point but I have been watching lives ruined out of the church for way too fucking long, and I've seen, I've seen person's life after person's life after person's life left and, and destroyed. Katie, come here. Get that mic right there. Hi, Katie. Hi. Talk in the mic, sweetie. Hi. Katie's my daughter. Um, Katie, uh, um, (laughs) are boys better than girls? No. Is there anything a boy can do that a girl can't do? Wait, you, t- you told me a different answer this morning.
1: <laughs> they can they can go without their shirt in public.
0: They can go without their shirt. <laughs> um, and what did I tell you? Do you remember what I told you? Yeah. What?
1: Girls can, but boys would stare
4: at their boobies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did, I did tell you that. <laughs>
0: um... um <laughs> Katie is the reason I left the church. When Katie was three, um, I had been trying for two years to make it work. And I knew that, I knew that it would fall apart. I knew that if I left, I knew what would happen. And it did happen. I lost my family connections. I lost my support network. I was on my own. But I was not going to let them do it to her. And and I've been accused of, of being a, a misogynist myself, and I don't want to make this about me, but those people who accuse me of that, you can all fuck off. Because <laughs> I have spent a lot of time and energy, um, oftentimes behind the scenes, to work on this issue. And I know that I have that been um, critical of ordained women movement, but I've been critical on the basis of I want people to walk away from religion. Because religion has been telling people that they're crippled, that they can't do things. But it's wrong. It's false. And we can build something better. Katie, wait. So what, um, what can, what, what is there anything boys can do the girls can't in the future? I don't know. It's, no.
1: They can write their name in the snow better than we can.
0: (laughs) You need to practice.
3: (laughs) Thank
4: you, Katie. John, can I... I I just
3: want to say something real quick. Um, I have a daughter, too. I have one daughter. um, And she's starting at BYU this fall. And I... Raised her in the church. Um, after my divorce, she stayed in the church with her mother. And the thing that I pray for is I I pray that there's still someone left at BYU like the mentors that Kate Kelly found when she was there. And I've I've heard her talk about the wonderful women that she met, and Joanna Brooks uh, talks about the women she met on BYU's campus. And I I'm so scared for my daughter, but I hope that she'll be able to find somebody who can influence her in the same way that those leaders of women were influenced. I pray that she will. I don't know, but I, there may be
1: no one left. There are. There's some great, great women at BYU. I think everyone's scared right now. Um, I just want to apologize in advance. I told John that I, I didn't know if I'd be up for it today. <laughs> I'm already a mess. It's been a really rough week uh, for our community, And uh, I'm having a hard time articulating my feelings, but um, one of the things I hear, and that I don't have a lot of tolerance for right now, I'm just going to warn you in advance, is for people who say, well, what did you expect? Why are you surprised? And what we're reacting to is not surprise. I told John today what it feels like is uh, being chased with a police officer with a taser. Not that I've been... Done. That's ever happened before. But you know it's coming. You know you're going to be tasered. But you don't know what it feels like till it hits your skin. And, uh, the violence that was done with her excommunication. I mean, we're just starting to see the ripple effects. Our community is hurting really. There's a, there's just a lot of pain, but yesterday, the moment I found out, something became electrically clear to me. And I think this, this is so obvious, and we've been talking about it. As Mormon f- feminists, I've talked about this before, but I realized for the first time that the church, I mean, it really hates women. Not on the surface. It's kind on the surface, and we, we give all these platitudes to women on the surface, but I never understood how much we teach each other to hate women, to not believe in them, to not uh, think that they um, have potential to lock them in a box. I don't understand what the incentive is for a young girl in the church to get educated at all or to better her life at all when at the end of the day she is in complete... Um, she has no control of her spiritual life whatsoever at all. Kate Kelly is this, one of the smartest women I've ever met. One of the most educated women I've ever met. And at the end of the day, a group of men with no skill set, no education in these issues, got to determine if she goes to heaven or hell. What is the incentive for our daughters to better themselves at all? I mean, it just became so crystallized to me how much they hate us and they ask for our love and they ask for our loyalty and we've given it to them and they hate us and i'm so embarrassed i'm sorry john it's
0: just
1: (laughs) it's embarrassing to let these men have that sort of power because excommunicating Kate Kelly is excommunicating all of us and we talked about whose fault it is if it's if it's the you know the the quorum of the 12 or her local leader leaders and I think it's all of our faults all of us who continue to support the organization are responsible for this violence because we allow it to happen and we sit back and we make excuses and this is on all of us and I, I don't know what else to say except for my heart is broken, and I'm so angry.
3: I just want to say one more thing, and that is that the thing that struck me this week was, well, many things—sadness um, and fear, but also hope—that this will drive more people to come to a realization that the church is not what it purports to be. And I think if that's true, there is good. There is good that can come from this. If our daughters realize that this is a harmful, damaging place, then they can make the choice to get out. And I hope that they will. The other thing that struck me is the insidiousness of the phrase, a court of love. And that, it just offends me. That anyone would call it that, and yet they repeatedly did.
0: Yes, and as I've been, I've been pleased to watch actually, um, Kate's, um, progression over the next, this has been an awful time for her, but I can see this, just gem, this kernel of an idea, as she yesterday pointed out that the actions mirror those of an abusive spouse, and and that's absolutely true. The, the 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 church The church has been acting that way. has been treating. Um, it's the, the 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 church is it, it's it's fascinating. I have a podcast coming up. I haven't put on the schedule yet that that compares um, the church to uh, uh, the elements of psychosis um, in in an individual, and and it behaves that way. and And there comes a point, and and you you know my stand. The reason I brought Katie up here. And these are the words of Bob McHugh. I I credit Bob McHugh. That I very well could have. I was smart enough to be able to weasel my way through the church. To make all sorts of excuses on how I was supporting the community. And this was my heritage. And um, this is where I was placed. And I'd be better to reform. But I looked at my daughter. And I knew if if I waited another generation, then she would have to fight that fight. And I wasn't going to fucking stand for that. That I was going to take the arrow so she didn't have to. And I think it's not just about our daughters, but it's about realizing that maybe the church can be reformed. I don't know. But should it be? And is there something better that can be done? Angie?
1: Yeah, Mark, I hope that there can be some hope. It's hard to think even remotely about that right now. But I was thinking, last weekend I was at my mother's annual huge crazy party, and with a couple of my apostate friends and we were sitting talking about what was going on in the news and then looking at my three and a half year old niece
0: with a t-shirt underneath her son dress and asking my friend um about the demographic of his children like which you know as far as
1: activity wise and he said you know my daughters are out my sons are still in and I looked at him and I said what about those four little granddaughters (laughs) what happens when they turn 12 like that's I mean, some of us are 41 and still trying to get over
0: what happens
3: when you turn 12. So, yeah. I I also, uh, you know, just in terms of going forward, I the thing, you know, I've I've known some smart people. I actually went to breakfast with my friend Scott Holly this morning. Very smart guy, and we talked about this. That if you, you know, the, the Mormon Church has a whole raft of really smart Harvard MBA people who work at McKinsey and these other consulting companies. And if you were wanting to consult with one of these people and say, you know, how are we going to perpetuate this organization long term? They would tell them to do everything the opposite of what <laughs> they're doing right now. I don't understand what their goal is. I try to I, – I I, give them some benefit of the doubt, which may be wrong, that there's actually some grand scheme up there in the church office building that I work right next door to. I, I keep thinking there must be someone up there that's like. Con- has a plan for this. But the more stuff like this happens, I think there cannot be such a thing. These people are just pulling this shit out of their asses. They do not know what they're doing. Uh, Elder Ballard's around the country giving training seminars to tell people to kick these people out. Does anyone else in the 12 even know that he's doing this? I don't know. But if, if they are, that's even more troubling. I mean, they're doing... Everything the opposite of what an organization that would want to perpetuate itself long
0: term would be doing. This is this is my point. This is actually, honest to God, one of the inspirations behind Whitefields is I. The church is clearly running scared. Oh, they they they're out of moves.
3: Why not broaden the tent? Why not be because more welcoming? they
1: hate women. Now that I've had a good cry, you're going to get some indignation now. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not using that lightly. I know that people outside say they don't hate women, you know, and we can go into that whole discussion. But it's like I said, it's been so crystallized. It was a, This is the best PR move for a church that has a PR problem with women, to excommunicate someone asking for equal rights. Good job, Church. You've got this. <laughs> well, and this is the
0: point I've been making. We've we've talked about it several times the last few months. The, the, there's people say, "Oh, the, the the twelve. They have to be. They have to." No, no. They've been groomed and systematically picked for these behaviors. It's not like all men in the church are misogynists, right. but the sure helps if you want to make it your way up to the top. Right. Well, and they're I'm misogynist
1: saying- in the most Mormon way, which women women in the church are equally misogynist in the same way. It's with the niceness of Mormonism. If you heard Ali Isom's interview where she's talking about it being a loving invitation and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm not going to say she's a traitor to her gender. I want to say that, but I'm not going to say that. I think what she is, is she's being used and they're more than happy to use women to trot out their message, which is violence with a smile. It's violence with niceness. And so if we do it nicely, then we think it's moral. And that's that's that sums of the church for me right now, it's misogyny with a smile. It's all I mean, it's so clear. But that wh-
3: why? Why Kate, Kate told
1: me this story. She she said this at her vigil, and it was so heartbreaking. So when she was on her mission, she got called in, I think, by the AP. He called her into the office and he said, Sister Kelly, um you you always have these great ideas and you always have this input. And so we've been praying and um, I want to extend a special call to you. Since you're so invested, we want to call you to like the missionary presidency or something. I can't remember the term. The branch president. The branch president. The the president. Okay, yeah, the, thank you. The branch president invited her to be part of the presidency. Yeah, she was going to be a counselor. She was going to be a counselor, and he brings her in and, and asks her to do this, and she says, okay, yeah. And as soon as she says that, The door bursts open and all the elders jump out and say, psych, surprise, ha, 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 ha. Isn't that funny? And Kate, you know, said at the time she laughed. It was funny. It was a joke. They all played pranks on each other. But there's something so cruel in the violence of that that women in power are a joke to people. Women, I mean, the fact they're upset that a woman claimed her power and spoke about it. That's what this is about. There's, I mean, those men think that they have the authority to shut her down because a woman had the gall to ask for something that they had. It, I, I know I'm not articulate today, but it's nothing more than hatred with a smile.
4: But I what I'm trying to
3: understand is w- why? Why are they? What are they trying to accomplish by this excommunication?
0: Do you why, think? Why, is why do we give them power? so
3: much credit, even the bishop, even the, on the I mean, bishop level? they are a bunch level. of what, what
0: who came to power in the '60s, mm-hmm. right? like they're stuck in like w- when when they came of age like we were still turning hoses on the um, civil rights movement right that's right like like these guys are 40 years behind yeah and and not only that th- this has been a huge problem over the past 30 or 40 years because of the selection criteria of last man standing half of them are senile half of them have mental disorders this is this is absolutely true And and, and to your point, think about everybody. Think about the company they have. Now imagine you had fifteen people running it, and you talk to people in the church office building, and the seventies just wander through and make random things, and you can't say no. This is a fucking dysfunctional organization to the core.
1: You can't treat teach boys from birth that they are entitled to authority over women their entire life. And it's not explicitly said. It's worse. It's indoctrinated in their songs, in their scriptures. So it becomes a core part of your being. I think they think, this is the violence of it, they think they're doing God's will. That's what they think. And that's why it doesn't make sense, because it's ludicrous, it's absurd, it's violent, but they think that they have God's stamp of approval, and, and
3: and women think that too, so they go along with so, it.
1: So That's what's insidious. I'm
0: gonna offer you a theory. What if you thought you were God's what if you were honest? You were a little bit like Idahoish and backwards and <laughs> and, 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 and you were you were eighty nine years old, you were honest, you thought God was the person giving you direction, but there was no God. Just entertain me for a second. Dangerous. So, so you think you're supposed to be getting this direction from God, but but there's not one. What would an organization that had such a structure look like? It would be lost in the woods, right? It would go left, it would go right, it wouldn't know what to do. When you asked it to say, we need a direction on whether or not women should receive the priesthood, you would expect such an organization to be able to say nothing. They wouldn't go and say, we asked God last Wednesday and the answer is no, because they're honest, but they're also fucktards, and they they can't make a decision, and there is no direction. I mean, it's clear. It all makes sense once you figure it out.
1: But I don't think that they've even asked because... I say
0: fuck hard on this podcast. Yeah. It's your
1: podcast. <laughs> you can do what you want. Um, I don't think they've even asked because to even entertain the question is so absurd to them because women do not have that potential. That's what I'm saying. This is the deep misogyny I'm talking about. It's absurd to them to even think that a woman could do something like that.
3: The other thing, John, is they, they have they to be ask. unanimous in all of the. I mean, you take 15 people, lead an organization, and for anything to happen has to be unanimous. Yes, just, right. This is a recipe for and disaster. And it's
0: voted in order from oldest to youngest. Yes, yes. All right. When the dementors attack, they give um chocolate. So here I have <laughs> Lindsey.
1: He, he knew I'd be a mess.
0: I warned him. I, <laughs> I said I shouldn't some, come on I gave tonight. Some chocolate. Okay. This is a good.
4: Mormon Expression is a listener-funded program. If you like what you hear, please visit us at mormonexpression.com and consider becoming a subscribing member. While you're there, let us know what you think about the show.
0: I swear we set the recording schedule two months ago. Randy, will you verify that I picked tonight's topic two months ago?
4: Yes, this topic was picked at least two months ago. <laughs> Are you trying
1: to say that God is leading the show
0: <laughs> saying that, you know, I, I, I do tell... I've decided that um, religious people, especially like evangelicals, are always saying what God thinks. I'm just going to start saying that myself. Because why can't you? Why not?
3: You can do whatever the hell you want.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so God told us, in fact, to record this podcast um, two months ago. The, the, the topic tonight is, is an interesting one, um, it, and, and it, it's a big question mark. So we talk about privilege, and did you see the notes that I sent you? Did you read them? No. The notes actually said Lindsay is not allowed to talk with her uppity ideas in this portion of the podcast. Can you tell
1: John grew up Mormon?
0: (laughs) So we're gonna talk the question is what exactly is Mormon privilege in the state of Utah? And what isn't it? Because um one of the things that inspired this is there's a lot of people and this comes from church members. There is a, a there's a there's a there's a sort of this cultural meme of Mormons who are outside of Utah who don't like the idea that corporate headquarters is in Utah, and they try to take special identity from the fact that they're not Utah Mormons. And this sort of same sort of thing um, like, transfers over in criticisms of the state. Having lived in the South for a couple of years, I can tell you definitively that Utah is not even close to the most religious place in the country. If you go to a place in this country... Every billboard, as you drive to every car lot, will have Bible verses, and you'll get a napkin in the in the restaurant, and it's got verses in the. And it's just uh, th- th- this is not even close to one of the most religious places.
2: And John, I'm from North Carolina, so I, I agree
0: 100 percent what you're oh, saying. Okay, completely different. Yeah, but no, it's <laughs> different North environment. Carolina. So so let's introduce our panel again.
3: And I went to grad school in North Carolina, and you lived in North Carolina, so we yep. have three
0: North Carolinians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So Mark, you're an attorney. Yes. Um, tell us your relevance, um, to this, uh, topic. Uh, What, what inspired you to want to be on this podcast?
3: (laughs) This is my Mormon privilege. Cred is what you're asking for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh,
3: I'm like the poster child, I suppose. I mean, I can, can I say that? I, um,
0: you mean you have a lot of white male privilege? I have a lot of
3: it. Yeah. Um, is I, uh, I've, I'm a descendant of George Q cannon. Uh, my, I'm a fourth-generation lawyer in Utah. Um, I grew up on the East Bench right near the Salt Lake Country Club. I come from a very uh, comfortably situated family. My dad's been a stake president, mission president, um, you name it.
0: Mark probably, I would assume, is not going to name names tonight, but I've got him drunk before. Um, Mark, Mark is a fairly, um, high-powered attorney in the state of Utah, and he's very well connected. Um, he knows how the good old boys network runs here. So he'll be able to give us some insight. Terrell. Have
1: you been to, wait, wait, I have a question for you, Mark. Have you been to that secret club downtown? I forget the name.
3: Yeah. We don't talk about I can't that. remember what it's called. It's called. It's like you have to get a key and you have to go into yeah, the basement. everyone yeah.
1: goes and glad hands and baits. Together. Oh, you're
3: talking about. Oh, I'm, I was thinking of a new bar. In town. <laughs> no, I'm
1: talking. About, no, I'm talking about the ones that, like, you know, Thomas. You're Johnson. talking
3: about the Alta Club. Alta and Club. My, that's yeah. my grandfather was a was one of the presidents of the Alta Club. So yes, you are. But I am which. not a member because it's for old people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, Terrell. Speaking of white male privilege. I'm black, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not as if, as if that's not bad enough in the state of Utah. I, I, oh, man,
2: it, it's, it's been rough. I could tell you that. Being a black male, um, I'm, I'm gay, um, and.
1: Oh man, you are just like on the privilege Olympics. I was
2: gonna say, <laughs> here we go.
3: All you could be is a woman. And that would
2: make, it <laughs> I worse. was gonna say, and, um, it's been rough and i can definitely um talk a lot about some of the experiences that i had by the way just going back a little bit to what we were talking about before i it's the first time on you know a podcast so i'm trying to you know get used to getting my opinion in there but definitely there are people in Provo and people at BYU who you can who your daughter can definitely count on um it's for help there and if then she seeks them out so much respect about your your thoughts lindsay i i I totally am you, and I still respect like everything that you like.
1: Don't make me cry again. <laughs> we don't need that.
2: It, it, it's so amazing to under you know to because I I relate to that as being black, gay, male in the church. It, it's it's definitely you feel the hate, you feel the 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 lack of respect and love that you receive, and and it's but you get to
1: be our token. Like,
2: <laughs> do you still to you need me? <laughs> <sighs> um, well. Probably once a month or so. So I'm, um, I'm.
1: So you're still active, ish.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. church oh. definition active once a month. You're that in, man. Test. The clerk's, are, the clerk's I guess count so Yeah, here. are you in Turned doubt? Down a beer tonight. So, I am. You know, I enough. served
2: a mission and everything. So
0: we're just our, Brazil.
1: See, because that plays into our privilege here. So yeah. if you went foreign, that bumps you up on your privilege. It does.
0: There you go. Mean. Yeah, Lindsay. You're a woman?
1: I'm a woman. um, LDS. I'm a white woman. I'm good at crafting and scrapbooking. Oh, no. I have a primary voice. Um, I come from immigrant grandparents, so that's kind of a bad thing. But uh, I do – my family are all generation members of the DUP. So I have some experience with Mormon privilege. DUP? Daughters of the Utah Pioneers. Oh.
2: Oh I forgot. I'm the only member of my family, by the way. So oh, wow.
0: Definitely. Um, I'm experience. a privileged white male. Um,
1: Thank you for saying that.
0: Um and just trying to work through my white male guilt. Thank you. Um so. <laughs> Would you
1: flagellate yourself some more for me?
0: <laughs> you weren't supposed to tell anybody
1: about it. <laughs> Wait, what are we talking about right now?
0: Okay. So let's talk a little bit about privilege. Um Let's let's define it because privilege privilege is a is a is a word that is thrown around quite a bit. And John the, is not a fan. I'm I'm not a fan of privilege, um, because because well, a it exists, but b once you point it out, it's kind of now what? What I want to hear is now what?
1: I know now what John calls me and wants to lecture me, and then we have a two hour argument on the <laughs> phone about privilege,
0: you like know, once are a week. You? Well, uh, often, yes. What's the um, part where she's supposed to not talk? Is that started? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. L- Lindsay, Lindsay is here to check my, um, white male privilege. Um, the pr- privilege, I, I, think can best be understood as something that you've been given that you didn't really do anything to get. Okay. So, for example, being born in the United States, um, even in, even in relative poverty, puts you in the top 50% as far as poverty goes. Like being a poor person born in, say, Boston, is much different than being a poor person born in the city of God outside of Rio. Right? Um, it's, it's, it's a different experience. So what privilege often does is it gives us opportunity. I was reading a little while ago, it pointed out that when white men and women take the SATs, When they're doing the verbal section, what they're doing is they're just accessing what sounds right, because the SAT language is the language of white middle class people. And as a linguist, I can tell you that all grammar systems are equally valid, but the SAT selects for a particular grammar system that has to do with a particular class of people. So if you're in that class, it just sounds right. So in a lot of ways, the language construction of the SAT is about in-group versus out-group. Because let's, I mean, use, use a classic old-fashioned term. Ebonics is not any less of a rigorous grammatical construction than, say, Paris French is. They are all equally valid communication systems. It's just we put value on some of them. So the privilege comes is if you grew up White middle class with the right language, you can take the tests and get scores that are going to put you in the top quartile from nothing that you've done whatsoever than just listening to your parents. That's privilege.
1: Can I, can I talk or am I going to have too many uppity ideas? I, I,
0: I like how you're a little feisty tonight. I like that. Go ahead.
1: Somebody's going to get on Reddit and be like, she only talks about rape and privilege all the time. Yes. There you go, Reddit. Have at it. So, um... <laughs> Privilege. The problem is I think people get defensive. I remember talking about race once we were talking about Beyonce's hair okay? oh my gosh. and people were talking about like how her hair was too white. And at, this is like my first introduction. And I was like, wait, now hair's a thing. Really guys. And people were saying, Lindsay, you, you don't have a right to weigh in on this. You're a white woman. And I got defensive and I was like, no, 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 no. I have an opinion too. I have been hurt by blah, 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 blah. And, you can't tell me. Stop trying to shut it down. I got defensive. And now that I start, sort of understand the function of privilege, I understand why I, it was completely inappropriate of me to come in and like tell people why they were wrong when I've never experienced that sort of exactly. hurdle before. So um, I keep looking at you. So I've already tokenized you already. They're token me. So, I'm, I'm, so I'm there. I'm
2: the, uh, Probably in, the, in five miles from here, I'm probably the only black man. So, you know. Let's-
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I... Privilege is, is not, it's such a loaded word. What it means is it just, it's a framework to understand and to empathize with the choices people make with, uh, like when we talk about poor people and we say, why can't they just get a job? Privilege is a really good mechanism to understand why there are poor people, why everyone can't just go out and get the job that you've gotten and pull themselves up from their bootstraps. Some people in Detroit that have grown up there that, that have parents that were never educated, that have a culture that is devoid of hope, devoid of goals, devoid of um, any sort of ambition, you can't expect people just to automatically respond to the school system or to ambition the way that you do. It just doesn't work that way.
0: Agreed. And the problem I have with the privilege, with not, not privilege, is it's oftentimes used... Here, here's my problem. Not that it's not a valid argument or it's not real. I don't like it as a rhetorical trick. What a lot of people use the, the the privilege for is to try to shut down whoever else they 're talking to
2: the and, conversation
0: stopper basically and, and and there's a there's a great example um that um, happened in a group where the, they they were talking about something i 'm going to keep this intentionally vague, Lindsay. <laughs> They were talking about something, and the group got into an argument about who had more privilege, the, the married people or the single people. Did the, should the single people shut up because they all had single privilege, or the married people should shut up because they all had married privilege? And it was just going back and forth. Because the single And it people,
1: becomes the suffering Olympics, like the, I was saying. The
0: suffering Olympics, like that the, the, the they'd all stopped listening to each other. And my frustration has oftentimes been, as somebody who's very interested in issues of feminism and that sort of stuff, I get frustrated because I will oftentimes be told you're not allowed to participate in the discussion. And
1: Well, to be fair, though, we have had, I mean, we'll be talking about women's issues, and there will always be a man that comes in and in super defensive like I was in the Beyonce hair thread, saying like, oh, no, you guys just don't understand it if you understood it like this, and we're like, dude we know what we're talking well, about th-
0: and and, and in, in my experience with feminism um, not just men but women but everybody they they spend so much time in meta discourse about who understands what right and and that's
1: why we're awesome
0: <laughs> well and feminism is a huge school of thought and it's not a consistent school of thought and and there's a lot of different theories you know so 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 yeah that's that's my frustration is not with any particular argument it's it's the fact that people just Play this card to say, "Shut the fuck up! You have privilege." Okay, yes, and let's go on and talk and talk about issues cause, because because it, it shuts down discussion. All right, so that's sort of an introduction to privilege. So, um, I actually posted a thread out there on saying, "What is so?" so give me examples of Mormon privilege, and I would say that eighty percent of the examples on the thread were were dead wrong. They weren't they weren't privilege at all. <laughs> well, I don't,
1: I don't think people. It's still a new concept. Um. And I use this term intersectionality is huge in feminist theory because it means you can't just say like women um, are hated by men or whatever. There's intersections. If you're a black woman, if you're a black disabled woman, if you're a black gay disabled woman, those are intersections. And I think that that applies here in Mormonism. For example, you're a male. Mm-hmm. I'm a female. So you have certain privileges I will never have. But you are a black male <laughs> and you are a gay male. So, you're getting knocked down some pegs. So, that's intersection. Agreed. Are you done with my feminist theory? Do you want me to show? No,
0: it? no, no. I, I just I just want to make sure. Do you want so, to silence me? So, when we're talking... No, Lindsay. <laughs> when we're talking about um, privilege, about Mormon privilege in the state of Utah, we're talking about things that give Mormons a leg up just for being Mormon. So, what advantages do they have? And I think part of the podcast here tonight is some of these are phantom. That some of them may not be as real as people think they are. Um, and so, so we're gonna, we're gonna go through those. I, I, I threw together a list and threw it to, to the, the panelists. So we're, we're going to, we're gonna talk about them. Um, I think, um, let's start with male privilege since, um, that, 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 that's where we're at. Um, male privilege is very much a part of the Mormon church and the Mormon paradigm. And we've seen this play out with, with, with Kate Kelly. Um, you know, the idea that no women were involved in this decision. That, as Kate pointed out in, in, in one of her, her excellent interviews in the last day or two, you know, every male is allowed, the priesthood is allowed this authority, no females are. Um, so so you, you have this enhanced culture that men are in charge. And there is a presumptional privileged bias in this state culturally to men being in charge. How does this play out? If you're in a room, um, um, let's say a, a room of peers in the state of Utah. Now, I, I work for an international company and I've worked for Utah companies. This is a problem all over in American culture, but it's especially a problem in Utah. If the men start talking, the women will go quiet. They have been conditioned to do that from the time they were young.
1: There's actually a study at BYU that backs that up. They, they, uh, did a study at BYU no less to say that the more men um, in the room, the less the women would speak. It was backed up by research.
0: So that's, that's a prime example of male privilege. And men, see, the reason men get confused is they say, well, anybody can talk. They just need to talk. I'm not, I'm not trying to silence any of the women. And that could be absolutely true. But everybody in the room has participated in this culture in such a way that the man feels confident speaking his own opinion.
1: And it also comes with detriment to men, too. There's usually added responsibility and pressure on men that women don't have by the virtue of this culture.
2: Right, right. What What I find very interesting about this is I grew up with a single mother. And when my mom spoke, everyone was quiet. So it was very interesting to me that this this whole paradigm of of the the Mormon privilege like where men talk and then women are it's it's a real thing and I was not used to that at all. I'm like what what happened to you know the womans you know sp- saying something and then everyone else listening and, and respecting that opinion. So it's, it's well,
0: well you know it's an interesting point you bring up because if you really want to understand privilege one of the things to talk to are people who are forced out of gender roles. Single mothers Single fathers, um, um, people who are LGBT, people who somehow have to confront these things because they, they 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 then get a new paradigm. I read something two days ago that was utterly fascinating, and I ran through my my inventory of friends, and I think it's absolutely true. The researcher said the single every everybody out there dating, pay close attention to this. The single biggest predictor of whether somebody was sexist, now there's plenty of sexist women and there's plenty of sexist men, is if somebody is able to maintain non-sexual friendships with somebody of the opposite gender, they're probably not sexist. So you can predict how sexist somebody is by if they surround themselves in, we're not talking about sexual relationships, with their their own gender. So if you want to see, if if they're a potential partner, if you should date them, Find out who their friends are, and if they have a whole bunch of friends of the opposite sex, don't run away. This is not something to be scared of. This is probably a person who's not sexist. So, so I, I think sometimes that, and and that that's great. And 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 to to why this is an important thing about the church and gender roles is because the church. Imp- reinforces gender roles so much. The thing I'm saying about, like, single fathers and single mothers and LGBTs, the, all these people are pushed to the periphery in the church, and we fetishize the main line, which also reinforces typical gender stereotypical behavior on both sides. So another example of typical male privilege is that men are socialized in the church from the time they're very young. And this can be a negative, mind you, that you're going to have a lot of people you have to take care of the rest of your life. You're going to have a wife. You're going to have children. You're going to be expected to pay the mortgage. You're going to be expected to pay the tithing. You're going to be expected to fulfill callings. And the boys get drilled into their heads from the time they're young that they have to make money. They have to have a career. They have to have an education. Now, the benefit of that is they're scared shitless. So they go get an uh, education and they go, and they go put themselves in a position where they're financially able, better able to, to take care of a family. And the women are socialized to say, you should stay at home with the babies right? Well, this can play out in privilege in terms of power, in terms of money, in terms of ability to network and and all these things. And this is something that the participants in this system didn't necessarily choose. So oftentimes the men who are here who have a master's degree, and one of the things I've bristled at is I have a master's degree and I work my fucking tail off to get that master's degree. I had to take out loans. I had to work hard. I spent three years without Any social life, because I was always doing homework. So I bristle when people say, you just have that because you're white male privilege. And they're wrong to an extent because what they don't realize is how hard I had to work. But they're right because I had been primed from the time I was a wee shaver that that's what I was supposed to do. I knew the path that I should be on. And there was never a doubt that I needed to go to grad school. It was just when I could find the time. That's my male privilege. My male privilege was that I was primed for it. Am I at fault for it? No. Did I benefit from it? Absolutely. This is when you say, "John, you're so right."
1: John, you're so right.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to wo-
1: sit back and let you speak. Tell me what to do.
0: I work with a lot of lawyers,
3: and they, and many of them are women, and I don't see that very much in my in my social interaction with other lawyers, and in particular. With people in my law firm, I work at a large law firm. There's lots of women, and they are very assertive and certainly are not the type to back down. So how does that fit into this paradigm you're describing? Well,
0: this is what I, I hinted at this earlier. As I've worked in and out of Utah companies, when i worked for companies that were totally Utah, there is this male-biased culture. And when, I, when I, you work for companies that are not or that work with more sophisticated clients, that starts to break down. Hmm. Um, and there's a fascinating paradigm when companies, and I've talked to friends who are consultants and who come in, when Utah companies get taken over by other companies, this sort of weird cultural paradigm of this deference to 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 male authority, especially when males take on stake president or bishop sort of roles. Like you can talk to people who've come to Utah when, when the first time in the business world, this happens all the time, when somebody gets referred to as Bishop Smith, <laughs> and they're like, "What is what is going on? So... That is an acknowledgement of authority. It is an acknowledgement of structure. It's an acknowledgement of privilege.
1: And I would say, I don't know if, you know, the religious status of any of these people, but if you were to put them all in a church setting, uh, your, your, the way you function as co workers would be completely changed. I mean, Kate Kelly speaks about this, her state presence, uh, bi- or a lawyer, her bishop's a lawyer, she's a lawyer. And she said in the workplace, they're used to having colleagues that are, that are over them. But yet in church, it's a completely different system. And we all kind of fall into our own roles. You know, women are used to we're trained to be secondary support systems, helpmates, if you will.
3: But I think there's something to be said to the fact that there are women who transcend that. There are, There are people who don't Choose they to do it in the workplace, roles, absolutely, but they
0: can't in the church.
3: Right, okay. We're talking about the church only. But
0: so, so, well, I'm talking about this bleed over, So we're talking about okay. how does it influence in Utah? And I don't think it's a strong, like in the, in the church, you'd say it's a very strong effect. Yeah. Like the sexism and, and that.
1: I have a bleed over that I was thinking. So, one of the things we, when we don't, when we talk about male privilege, we often talk about authority. But something I've been doing a lot of thinking about lately is male sexual privilege in the Mormon church. Which that doesn't mean it's any better because we're all messed up in that arena. But there's something to be yourself. S- yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. <thanks for> yourself.
1: <laughs> whatever. If you've been Mormon, we've all got issues. <laughs> so um so so it's nothing to be ashamed of. But if you grew up hearing about polygamy, you have to remember and and think about this what it means that men are allowed from birth to have more partners. And women are not. Okay. So that's just in, in our mindset somewhere. That women are always going to be limited to one and men will always have an internal increase. Even if it's just for life or whatever. So that messes with us there. And then the rhetoric that we tell men that they're very sexual beings, they can't control each other, sets us up in a whole other area. And what it does to women is puts increased pressure on ourselves, distrust for one another, we're always competing. And we see that in Utah, absolutely, with our high plastic surgery, our yeah, extremely high eating disorders. So I think that that's a bleed over that carries over. Absolutely, we see it in, in, um, secular culture, but there's something to be said about this idea that we teach that men are these, like, sexual beings and it all matters about appearances with women. I don't know, even know if that makes sense, but I think that's an added layer to this male privilege.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you see this playing out in the church now with the young singles, where and it's 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 to my, in my opinion it's a backfire on the whole um, pornography thing. But the church has this crisis among twenty-year-olds where the no one's getting married, and where a lot of the the young women want to, and the young men are saying "fuck that," um, um, and it's it, that's an absolute exercise of male privilege because the 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 woman can only actualize herself in the church by being married. The man she already She has ha-
1: literally zero power through if not through her husband if she's a single woman.
0: You can still as a single woman at let's say 22 go to a bishop this still happens today, ask to go to the temple and be turned down. Because they'll say you should wait till you get married. You, you
1: can't get cer- certain jobs, you can't uh work with men
0: uh, in the church. St- a man 22 He's he has yeah. the Melchizedek priesthood. He's been in leadership callings. He's been on a mission. He's sort of reached his. He just he needs to find a wife, but but he's not. He doesn't need that to be actualized in the same way. The only
1: downside would. is we won't stick you alone in the nursery. But I don't know if you consider that like a benefit or not. <laughs> <I don't know.
0: laughs> So, um, you
1: just become the creepy guy that no one trusts. With their so kids. I,
0: I think, I think that, so that's where I want to start with male privilege. Male privilege is, is there and it's something you can read about and everyone should try to understand. Um, absolutely. They should also try to understand white privilege. I wish we had more time to spend on that. Um, and, and we can, we can come back to it as we need to, but, um, male privilege is there. And I'm, what I'm saying in the state of Utah, male privilege is pumped up and enhanced more than say, if you were in New York or Chicago or something like that. Yep. Okay. Let's move on. Um, let's go. Let's start small. Let's talk about local communities. So once again, we want to talk about real, real ways that Mormons exercise privilege that non-Mormons do not have in the state of Utah. So local community empowerment is sort of your neighborhood. And, and it does play out on this level. Um, Mormons vote in blocks. And we've talked about this before. One of the chief mechanisms of, of privilege is signaling. And um, if you know things about class and society, you'll, you'll know that as you move up different classes, you move up the socioeconomic ladder, there are signals that the people in that socioeconomic class have that usually people who are below that socioeconomic class do not understand. And this is how people of privilege talk to one another. For example... People in lower like lower middle class um, um, America don't pay very much attention to what shoes people are wearing. As you move up the class ladder, everybody starts paying attention to your shoes. Because shoes are one of those things. You will find millionaires wearing a $40 pair of Levi's. But you won't find millionaires wearing a $40 pair of shoes. And Shoes and watches and jewelry, for example, are ways that people who are, have class and money and privilege signal to one another that they're part of that class. Right? Table manners are another way. You can spot in what socioeconomic class people were raised in very quickly by, by how they, how they handle their napkin, how they handle their forks and stuff like this. Grammar? Grammar is absolutely one. And and what's funny is in linguistics we, we we refer to something called code shifting. Code shifting is in language when people will change the way they talk to their audience. And and people in higher classes know how to code shift. And they will actually speak your language when they're speaking to you if you, if you're like lower middle class. And then they'll switch into their into their native tongue when they're talking to people who are of of their tribe. Um This You can go take sociological classes and start deconstructing this. And it is huge. It is everywhere. And it's powerful. And I guarantee all of us are missing out on on some of this stuff going on. We talk about like the the Masons giving each other signals. Um, It's in gay culture. It's in straight culture. It's in single culture. It's how people signal to one another that they're part of the in-group. This happens in Mormondom. Let's talk a little bit about... Sleevelessness. (laughs) Sleevelessness.
3: <laughs> Can I just make one comment Please. about the last com- thing you said? And that is my, my wife is from Orem. Uh-huh. And when she goes back to Orem periodically, she slips right into their language. It's yes. amazing how quickly.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. So if you have a set-apart group, like you're a part of the Freemasons circa the 19th century, what you want is you want you don't want opposing groups. To have privilege, you need to be able to move from the privileged group into the base group. What you don't want are two privileged groups that are fighting it out. Okay? So in Utah, what Mormons really want is to be able to run free in Utah society, unmarked, unsoiled, but then have the privilege of being a Mormon. Okay? So what they want to be able to do is move from being able to work in regular society, but then have a special little privileged place. Mormons signal each other in many ways. One of them is with the garments. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is a way that you can spot other Mormons. When you go to B, to um, Disneyland, you will see more BYU paraphernalia than you'll see in Provo. I'm not making this up. <laughs> it's true. It's so true, Lindsay. You're at Disney file. It's, it's true because they're signaling to one another. They're in a way that makes them seem like they're everybody else.
1: Can I just tell you an anecdote about this? Please, I please. was just there last month, and it was just my husband and I. And he had his an old BYU hat on. Okay, he doesn't. He's not a BYU fan. Well, he is a BYU fan, but anyway, he had the hat on, and I kid you not. That one day, we, we go to Disneyland a lot. That one day with the BYU hat on, we got people's, uh, fast passes given to us. <laughs> we got so, mu- so many people talk to us. We got people asking us to cut in line with them. It, we felt like, like celebrities. And they were all Mormons. They're like, Utah, hey, do you want fast passes? It was great. <laughs> so if you want, if you want, uh, some privilege at Disneyland, wear a BYU hat.
2: Or BYU jacket, or a B Y anything on a plane. You have,
0: have you guys ever seen? They start giving you stuff. It's old, and it's probably out there on the internet. the, the, the old Saturday Night Live sketch where Eddie Murphy puts on white face. <laughs> and and he walks around, and everybody's giving him stuff for free, you know. And and and. and, and um, but the, it is it is true. It it absolutely happens. But the to function, you need to have an elite class inside a broader class that we all participate in. Otherwise, it breaks down into class wars. The reason that Mormons are so concerned about um, sleevelessness is not because Mormons get boners from people's um, shoulders.
1: They don't? I was told that they did. Well, over and over and over.
0: I could take that too. There's <laughs> grammatical um, okay, just, ambiguity just there, but I'm just going to leave keep, it on the table.
1: You know what? Just so, keep going.
0: So what, what, the, what the Mormons don't want to have happen is to have... The ex Mormons or non Mormons a good way to signal one another that they are not part of the group. What the Mormons want is a way to signal one another that they're part of the special elite class, but that the Mormons can move in and out of the rest of the class, right?
4: Ready. I just think it's funny that you say that because I, I remember back to when I was still single and going to college, and an ex Mormon, and I was down at Utah Valley University in the middle of you know the Mormon corridor the way you look for the girls to ask out is you look for sleevelessness and multiple piercings because those are the girls that you could ask out because they weren't the Mormon girls. Or if they were, they didn't take it that serious.
0: Right. Um, it's exactly it. So, so Mormons want to be an an elite class. Wait, Um, I just,
1: I want to say something about that. Um, okay. So if you go, if you put a group of women in a room and they're mixed bag Mormons and secular people, people will just, women will be having a conversation right? Normal voices, normal conversation. But the higher you get up on the Mormon women privilege ladder, the softer their voice becomes, mm. the more their S's become like this, because that's the language of privilege for Mormon women. That's a signal. But if they're in a normal group of women, that is not a sense of privilege, right? With secular people, they're like, this woman's a nut. Why is she talking like that? Because women, I've, I've seen it. You've probably seen it. Women go in and out of that primary voice, as we call it.
0: Yes. And and there, there's a there's a male equivalent to that too. So what happens if you talk to people who come to Utah as a, as a middle age adults? They will be really confused for a while, and it's not because they can't get a drink or whatever. <laughs> I was just gonna say, my
2: experience with flying out here for the first time, it was like I I, I couldn't believe it. I had never been out west. I just took you know back home in North Carolina, our experiences. Well, you go to BYU because, you know, it's a good school and, and I had read about it and I had figured out, okay, that's where I want to go. So I flew out here. I landed and I was like, what did I do? <laughs> like, oh, why, like, I could not believe the, just the difference in language, the different and difference in attitude, everything. <sighs> it was just a completely different experience. I, once again, I felt like a little speckle and the milk (laughs) and it was just kind of it was it was just a a really interesting um experience um as far as that kind of that privilege that that under that privilege and and that environment wait
1: can we talk about race for just a second i know it's a huge one but i have a question for you yes so my my impression of minority mormons in utah since you are so rare. Right. Is there is this weird sort of, I don't even know if privilege is the right word. It's definitely tokenism. But I've seen this, I've gone to testimony meetings where, like, you know, um, a Polynesian family will get up with a heavy, heavy accent and they'll be bearing their testimony and saying things that a white member could never get away with. Someone would have pulled them down. But they're saying something and you look at the all white bishopric and they're folding their arms with this big grin and nodding you know, kind of um condescendingly like, that's adorable. Look at their sweet <laughs> The spirits. same way they do with
0: three-year-olds, right? Like, right. Exactly. Do you,
1: have you experienced that sort of like, you're our token minority, you're special in a certain sort of way?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I'm six eight and I'm black, and I'm BYU. The question that was asked to me all the time was, do you play basketball for BYU, or are you on the <laughs> football team? It, it's it's never a thing where I could be intelligent. Like, I, I got accepted to BYU off of... A school, academic scholarship. So it, it's, it's impressive to people. People are like shocked, like, oh my gosh, you don't play on the basketball team or you're not on the football team because you're black. You have to be on those things. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, it was an interesting experience. So I.
1: Were you treated more, uh, more righteous? Like, like you had more leeway? Did you notice that at all?
2: Um, I, I guess so. It, it's, it's kind of like they value the fact that I'm black and I'm Mormon. A lot more because because the, they feel like okay we only have a few of you sorry for 1978 you know <laughs> like our bad for you know so
1: your presence like validates our old racism exactly. like it's okay we're good because we, we have black one friend. person yeah we
2: have one person in the congregation as black so you know and and and, and that kind of gets frustrating too because you're thinking in my mind that does not take away the racist attitude that does not take away the fact that my parents if they were members of the church they wouldn't have the priest. They wouldn't be able to get sealed in the temple or anything like that until seven years before I was born.
0: Well, so. my experience is the more white you act, the more they're going to be happy with you. The uh, the the
2: like the angriest I've ever gotten at somebody was I was told that I was whitewashed. Oh. Now, that I, I quickly just said, listen. I was like, I look in the mirror every day and I'm like, I am proud to be a black man. And that, that is not, I have no qualms with it. I love myself for who I am. Just because I'm educated does not mean that I'm whitewashed. It's, it's such a, oh my gosh, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting how that does matter here in this culture, like in Mormon culture. It's, it's a thing where if you are black, you're not, and I guess here in Utah mainly, not for everybody, but I felt like, I experience more racism here in Utah than I did actually at home in North
1: Carolina. And it's like Bye. racism with a smile. Like, correct. I'm not racist.
0: And perha- I love you. And perhaps it's
2: ignorance, maybe. Maybe that's the better word. Or naive. Or not
0: wanting to know. Well, I, I would, from my, the way I would take it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's not like a blatant sort of hate-filled racism. It's a very paternalistic Talk down Correct. to childish racism. Yes.
3: People yes. do that with gays as well. They yeah. say, we love the gays, yeah. but we just don't want them to get married. Yeah, no. yeah. But we still love them.
0: Yeah, yeah. They're so special. <laughs> okay. So, so the local community empowerment, how does this actually play out? PTA board elections, school board things, anytime that there is a local community governance, um, um, community. Uh, what do what they call it? When you have, have a private gated community, the, the little community reps. If you want to run for this and you're in the church, you will win because you have an automatic voting block. Um, um, everybody, Lindsay, of course, um, on on we, we on our voices episode, of course, when she even had the audacity to suggest that that gay people might have equal rights, they completely killed your your. Um, preschool?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had a thriving preschool business for 10 years and I worried about stepping away from church. But as soon as I was vocal about gay marriage, I mean, they took it all away. And I, you know, some people say, well, start a liberal preschool out there. It just, there's no such thing. Um,
0: A lot of ex Mormons will tell you one of the first things they run into is if they have daughters or sons who want to babysit, they can't. And um, as a, um, if you leave the church, you'll probably have a really hard time finding a babysitter. We never could. Zilf and I never could. We could never find a babysitter.
3: We, we um, have a babysitter who whose family is out of the church, and she can't get any babysitting jobs. So it yeah. goes both ways. We have to go over to her neighborhood to pick her up because we can't get the local girls to babysit our I've kids.
0: seen ex-Mormons who will drive their children 15 or 20 miles because they have to like – connect with another ex-mormon to find a 14 year old um, who's willing to watch the six-year-olds and and so that's so in privilege this community organization in the local networks greatly influences things because in there's networks.
1: automatic trust like y- you need to think I mean we've all grown up in this system so maybe it doesn't seem that absurd to you but the fact that we will just like you move into a new ward and you leave your toddler with a stranger in nursery because it's nursery. Like, you just leave your toddler with someone you've never met. That's absurd to everyone else but us. But to us, we're like, yeah, it's good. It's nursery. They're not background checked like every other church.
0: Mm-hmm. So to go back to where I started, where I didn't, I didn't quite finish the thought on, on bare shoulders. Mormons cover their babies because they have learned that they do not want to signal the neighbors that they are not to be trusted. It's not about sex.
1: I agree. I'm d- I'm t- believe me, I agree, but that's what we say it's about.
0: It's, it's because, it's, it's, it's also this sort of misogynistic, paternal sort of, um, um, a woman can't bear the sh- shoulders because she's going to be judged and I have to cover that up for you. That principle down in wherever the hell it was who painted the, the things on, this was misogyny because he was protecting these poor young girls from being judged. He didn't want them to experience that judgment because the judgment would be real in that it would impact the way employers look at them. It would impact their babysitting potential. It would impact their preschools. It would impact ways that they interact with the real world. Mormons consciously or unconsciously know this, and they don't want that signal put out there.
3: There's, there's a lot of other signaling that goes on. I'm not sure if this fits exactly in what you're talking about, but we all know that if you want to become a bishop you have to wear a white shirt every week you yes. cannot have facial hair you have to drive you have to have a certain type of car in the wards you can't where i be live black. you cannot be black or there gay you go. there you go yeah. two things <laughs> but America. don't
0: double negatives are okay in germanic languages don't doesn't gay and black cancel each other out and then you're just
1: <laughs> so you're white now congratulations
0: <laughs> thank so, you lindsay I appreciate let's that. ordain
1: him to a bishopric <laughs>
0: okay um so, um, let's talk about political privilege. So, the, the local community thing, um, a lot of, if you talk to people who move into the state, who are, they, they oftentimes figure out the language. They're fun to talk to. Find somebody who moved into the state, who's a professional at 35, who's been here for five years. Usually they have some compelling reason to stay here. They like skiing, or they like the outdoors. They'll figure this out. And then, and then you sit around with a glass of wine and laugh about it. Because what a lot of people from the outside think, oh, being um, an ex-Mormon or being a non-Mormon state of Utah, you can't get alcohol. No, the alcohol stores are full of all kinds. They're everywhere. That, that's, that's not what impacts the life. The bars are full. The restaurants are full. It's this subtle in and out behavior. And, and, you know, people t- tell me I'm afraid to come to Utah or I'm afraid to, um, come out of the church because of how my neighbors will treat me. They will ignore you is what they will do. They will be in their own little fucking world. And as long as you're okay with that, you can find your community somewhere else, you're fine. If you're a type of person who really wants to interact with your neighbors and wants to be involved in the PTA, you're going to have a problem.
4: I can just confirm that. I've lived in my house for over 10 years. I know like four people live on my street or four houses. Like I could tell you that maybe the names of the people that live there. It's pretty crazy how they ignore you once you are not a member of the in-group.
1: And actually, but they will send their 12 dirty children into your backyard when you're not home. That they w- they I've
3: learned will. from experience. Well, they'll bring well, you they cookies and try to convert you, but if you don't convert, then they're done. So, no, t- t- no two,
0: two I things. want some
4: cookies. They won't even do that. They won't even bring cookies. Signaling in works
0: both ways. So those of you who have left the church, there's two things you can do um, right away. Um, put, put down your street, say you're having a wine and cheese party, um, and you'll pull, you'll pull all sorts of neighbors out. Or this one actually is quite simple and very effective. Sit on your front porch six o'clock on a Saturday afternoon with a six pack of beer, and the neighbors who will come and that—that's the signal call for people who aren't in the church. And you'll find out there's all sorts of people out here.
4: Mowing the grass on Sunday. Yes. yes. uh, Mowing the grass on Sundays is is a good one. Yeah. You're like someone else, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. So people who hear the lawnmower, then they'll look around. And, and so there are ways to signal. once you do that, you'll find other people who are normal. In Utah
2: County, it's working out on Sundays. Yeah. If you exercise on Sundays, you are not a member of the church. The gyms are open on Sundays? They're not County. open on <laughs> oh. Sundays. 24-hour fitness, not open. You know, I was, I've been wanting to go to the gym. Are you serious?
0: I'm dead serious. I did not know that. 24-hour wow. 24-hour fitness,
2: not 24 hours.
0: Okay, so th- those are kind of easy ones to circumvent. So it is a matter of Mormon privilege. It can impact people in real sort of ways, like Lindsay here. But let's talk about where real privilege is executed in the state of Utah, and that's in the political realm. We talk about signaling. So one of the things that you will see is during political season when there will be a picture of a man, and he'll be wearing a white shirt and a suit, and he'll be surrounded by his family. This is a signal. This is him, Not he's signaling on two fronts. He's saying, I'm LDS, and and have you noticed how common the pictures are in Utah with a man sitting down and a woman standing behind him? Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of kids. And lots of kids. You have to have kids. lots of kids. And it's signaling, this is a signal of authority, the charcoal shirt with the white, he's he's, he's, he's signaling. And there's a phrase, I, I should have written down, but it's like community service or something like that, that you'll see come up. That means he's been a bishop. Um. And, and a lot of people, the reason MLM's multi-level marketing and there, and there's so much fraud in the state of Utah, it's, it's not because Utahans are more gullible than everybody else, because the world's full of fucking idiots. It's because, (laughs) it's because people in the church rely on these signals.
1: And the trust.
0: And the trust. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and that's what's being played in, in the political, especially in the elections. You'll see this come out. And And it's fun to listen to especially the primaries, how they try to out Mormon one another because they know if they can be the Mormon candidate in, in without anything else, the Mormons will vote for another another Mormon.
1: Can I just add another layer to that is their name? I mean, we kind of spoke about this earlier, but if you have a Mormon last name and it doesn't have to be like a famous last name, like a Hinckley. It can be like Christensen. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if you're not Mormon, any have Christensen, I would wager if we did a study, Christiansons probably do better than, say, like, someone with a you know, Arabic last name or something right. like
0: that. Like Goldstein. <laughs> right.
3: There, there's a twist to this though, which is I've lived most of my life in Salt Lake city. And it's the, actually the opposite there. If you want to get elected in Salt Lake in certain neighborhoods, you have to signal that you're not LDS. And Jim Debacus is one of my favorite people. He's in Washington DC right now trying to get the tribune saved. I mean, he's an amazing politician, a brilliant guy and openly gay But he gets reelected every year and, and he does that because
0: the demographic is so different. Well, I think
1: that's a product of this privilege, right? It's a counterculture. And that's why you are successful being part of the counterculture.
0: Well, it goes to that, it goes to that signaling thing. And you're right. The, the Salt Lake City, a lot of people, I mean, it's oftentimes the reddest of the red states, but not the, not the Senate, city center itself, which, um, is in a way sort of reactionary. Um, and, and there is that, where you have to signal that you're, you're not, you're not a Mormon. And, and there is a lot of power, which is why the legislature, if you look at the, and Utah is not the only place that's done this, you look at how the political map for like representatives has been drawn up, it's really weird because they're just trying to break Salt Lake City up because they don't want, yeah. All the damn
3: liberals and hippies. Or you can just be a Democrat. You don't have to tell them you're not Mormon, just be a Democrat, and that covers it. Uh, although um, Ben McAdams is a, is the mayor of Salt Lake County, and he's done a fabulous job. He's active LDS and a Democrat. He's a rarity.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, the church, so, so once you get elected, um, winning elections is a lot easier. It does backfire. Mia Love, for example, really tries to play her Mormon credentials, um, and and it doesn't always work. But it works a lot of times, um, especially in the smaller communities, smaller elections. Well,
1: I think she benefits off of the tokenism that we spoke about earlier. It makes us Mormon people feel better Mm -hmm. that we have a black woman. As sort of like in our pocket to say, see, look, we're not racist. See, look, we're not sexist. We've got a black Mormon woman and but we think, love her.
0: I think that racism is played negatively because that, oh, isn't she so cute that that in their mind she's a six-year-old.
1: Yeah, it's tokenism. So, so, completely so they, they want
0: to vote for that. but at the same time it's like we can't look like a, a little girl. It's, you know?
2: it's very visible outside of the state of Utah. Like everyone sees that, sees the church for what it is, especially black people outside of the church. They see that our organization's kind of racist, you know, they're they kind of little. Yeah. They, they, but they, we have, they have some, friends. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and they, are oh, you know, my mom's like, oh, and they're kind of sexist, you know, like <laughs> so they're, they're, there's just this like concept of, of, you know, he, outside of Utah, we, we see it for what it's, what it is. And it's just basically this kind of like, if you're not Mormon,
3: You don't fit into this area. So maybe the church could have fewer headlines in the New York times to avoid that.
0: It's not (laughs) happening. They've got got female
1: spokesperson people, so they're not sexist. So
0: this is the problem. When you become really super powerful, you no longer have to have these backroom conversations. You just have to, once again, signal the word for the night, what you're going to do. And the problem is when you become really super powerful, you start throwing off signals that you don't necessarily intend to. This was the problem with Kate Kelly. I do not believe the church ordered that down, but we had Ballard out there talking about uppity women. And then the stake president said, my God, I've got the uppityest of the uppity right here in my stake and I need to take care of her. So the, and this really happens in the Utah political scene is the church will oftentimes have a conveniently worded, um, um, s- statement and the the most common and most faithful the, mo, the one they do most common is they will say you should go vote right and vote for what is it they always say
1: vote your conscience,
0: vote your conscience. they vote your conscience and vote for somebody who shares your values or something like this <laughs> and they have a disclaimer
3: that we don't take a position we don't on, take a position yeah. but this is
0: always t- the the most Mormons are going to take this to mean go vote for the Mormon candidate right and and they will come out conveniently before something and take positions um in ways that they don't even have to, but listen, they call politicians in all the time, and they get caught doing it from time to time. They have lobbyists in Washington. They have they have all all this sort of stuff. So there is a strong voting block. Matter of fact, it's a supermajority. So so the the Mormon Church, if it wants, has complete utter control of the Utah political machine.
1: Well, we just talked about the politician that quoted the Book of Mormon the other day. Remember that he said, uh, "I." He quoted that scripture about being bound. Oh to God. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and well, the, the the most recent example of this was the um, Zion curtain, the the barrier they put up so that kids don't have to see alcohol bottles um, in restaurants. Um, the church just said, eh, we're good with the law the way it is," and all of the political motion to get rid of this. Dumbass rule that keeps people from going to that that sends billions of dollars in tourism over to Colorado. I mean, Colorado literally their 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 campaign is built on we're not Utah, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and 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 it's because of this. Um,
1: well, and don't they? I mean, I haven't been to a session for a while, but when I was there, the prayer, the opening prayer, was very Mormon. It was a Mormon prayer.
3: And when the state has tried – when certain legislators have tried to pass equal rights legislation here in Utah, they did it in Salt Lake City. But when they've tried to do it statewide, the fact – the church doesn't even have to say no. All they have to do is stay silent and people are going to know what the message is. Or say
1: that they've met with such and such candidate beforehand. What do they call it? There's a special name for this meeting. It's not – I'm trying to think of the name. It's not like political advisement but there's an actual name for the meeting. The church does this often before big legislation goes down. Mm-hmm. They will meet with big candidates, like right before the session,
3: mm-hmm. in 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 secret. I mean, it's not known what those conversations are. But yeah, there's no question among legislators who who needs to vote which way. And in fact, I have people I work with who have been called um, by general authorities and said, "We need you to call a few people because we don't want this to pass, but it can't come from us." And so they make, they make those phone calls, and then in those private calls, it's known where the, where the origination of that
0: call is. Absolutely. All right, so let's, we're going to talk about some ways that, that this specifically comes up. We talked about it in the abstract. So um, let's talk about my chief um, problem right now with religions in terms of privilege, is tax exemption. <laughs> um, so there, this, this hits... If you right now, all of you, and I know that I'm always shilling for money and I won't stop doing it. I need your money. Whitefields need your money. We need to pay for things. But if you do not give money to charity, which is, which happens a lot, a lot of ex-Mormons and ex-religious people say, I was burned for a lot of years. I'm not going to be burned anymore. You're getting double taxed. Because what happens is, is, is the churches get money from you Okay, so I write $10,000 or whatever, $100,000 in tithing. Whatever my, 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 my money is. I don't pay that to the government. So every government service that's out there is subsidized to a greater degree by people who are not religious. Okay? So you're paying, by, by being a non-religious person, you're paying for more of these programs. So religious people are able to pay, to scale themselves down they don't pay as much for roads. They don't pay as much for the TSA. They don't pay as much for air traffic control. They don't pay as much for the EPA. They don't pay as much in the military because they're giving all their money to that goddamn church. And so money that you are sp- are, are, are spending on ordinance that are dropping in Iraq, they're spending on lighting up the Mahogany um, um, temples. And that's the way the system is, is, is operated. You're paying more for everything they're enjoying, and they get to opt out of the system. Not only that, the churches themselves enjoy tax-exempt status. So the tax exemption that the churches enjoy is on the backs of every single one of us. You and me and all of us are funding these churches.
1: And there's rumors that tax exemption, fear, and laws are the major driving force between all legislation, including this whole Mm. religious freedom kick Mm. because they're terrified of losing the status. No question.
3: The other point I just want to make is that a lot of times uh, there will be articles that write up Utah as being so giving and so charitable because of the amount of time we spend on charity and the amount of money we give to charity. But the problem is, is that that's totally skewed by donations of time and money to the LDS church. If you take Mm -hmm. that out of it, Utah is actually one of the least charitable states in the country. Right.
0: And and so they're enjoying tax-exempt status on their property. They're showing tax-exempt status on everything that they do that's not for profit. They have profitable wings that, that they have to pay taxes on. They have plenty that, that, that aren't. So let's talk about like the welfare services. So not only do the church have all these welfare services that um, like food and shelters and paying money to pay for rent, that they're holding on their inside of their group. The church has complete control over who they give canned beets to, right? And they do exercise this control. They will, if, 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 if you are an LDS and you're out of money, they can ask you to do anything. And they do. They might ask you to go to the temple once. You don't
1: even have to be out of money. They have found ways to get a ton of free labor from, from anyone. And one of the biggest things that a lot of us talk about when we talk about church finances is waiting till someone who, you know, was a very successful business person retires, they go and co-opt them for free and make them work and do all this labor for free. One of the worst tax exempt stories I ever heard was the church owns a lot of uh, girls camp property.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And they, um, they, what they did is they called a wealthy businessman to buy the property and lease it to the church. So that's his calling. And then that way they can rent it out for, uh, you know, what's the word I want? I can't think today. Filthy lucre. Well, yeah, they can rent it out for money in ways that the church can't. For tax exemption, for tax issues. And, um, and what I heard was, this is all conjecture, but I heard that, uh, you know, if the church ever needs it back, this man, you know, since it's his calling, will always sell it back to the church. But they found all these ways to avoid these tax loopholes because they have the loyalty and the trust of their members.
0: Absolutely.
3: I had a a client whose job was to, his calling, excuse me, not his job, his calling was to manage all of the church. Uh, nature reserves and the in Florida and especially their hunting licensing. So he has been traveling the world, actually putting together a, a unified system of, lice, of of renting out church land for profit uh, for hunters. And this is what he does. But it's a calling, and he's doing it all on his own dime.
0: I'm, I had a friend when I lived up in Logan. He was a he was a guy. I've talked about this where he was a guide up on the the church owns a huge hunting preserve up by. Um, Woodroof? Is that where it is? Where in the hell out there? Um, and they have these elk that they keep in cages. They're, they're hay fed. Um, and, and, and then when the rich people come in on helicopters, they let them go wander around. And then he would take them around, you know, he knew where they would go. They were docile. They were domesticated. And then they would shoot those fuckers. And this is all the church running this.
1: But and you can't get in as a normal Yahoo. You oh, no, have no, no, no. Super, the, these are, these wealthy. are high end
0: donors. Very but, expensive. But let's, to let's go back to the food. Okay. So we allow, if, if we say, if we say it is society, and we have said this, it's society's role to feed the poor. So, so we have as a government decided to fund these things, soup kitchens and whatnot. What we've allowed the church to do is not only take their own system and take tax dollars from multiple sources. They get grants, they get tax exemption, then they get to exercise their own dominion over who gets that food. And they get to use that to try, they will take people who are in poverty and give them tax subsidized beef stew and take their money at 10%. Because everyone knows if you run a charity, you want everything. What you want is green cash. So, so, you say, why would the church do this system where they're taking something? They have to grow the food, they have to can the food, they have to ship the food, because all of that is fucking subsidized by the government, by you and me who are not in the church. And then they can get the money straight out and they can build these temples full of mahogany and marble and light them up like a, like a motherfucking Roman candle, right? And, and, and they can, they have complete control over the money on the backs of the taxpayers. The problem with living in Utah is you're subsidizing not only the church itself, but you're subsidizing everything else because these guys get to opt out of the system. The,
3: the church farms used to be huge. And those of us who are older know that used to go work in the church farm, right? I, I don't know. Uh, that used to be yes, yeah. you'd go weed the beets or whatever the hell it was well those actually because the land has become so valuable the church is actually buying most of the food it uses for canning from the just on the market and they're selling the land because those church farms are located on very valuable land now for housing developments so most people will tell you that the, their, their steak farm red or unless you live far away, it's gone. It's well, been sold. Well, and it's
1: the same thing. One of the biggest things that I <laughs> – this is how Mormon I am. I love going to the cannery. It's like my favorite thing. I'm like, this is Zion. We're all working together, <laughs> scooping out the flour. And they're shutting down all the canneries for the same thing, mm-hmm. for the exact same reason that it's too costly to uh, – they're not having this the same uh, – I cannot talk today – distributors giving them the food – it's becoming too expensive. And so now, you know, they're saying that you can still buy it from the church, but they're not going to let you buy it in the way that you used to because uh, they would rather that you put your efforts into local organizing, like partnering with the Red Cross, because it costs them less money to do that.
0: Okay. Um, if you drive through the state of Utah go and drive next to any any. Middle school, junior high school, or high school. You'll notice one thing. You notice right next to it happens to be <laughs> a great big church building. Always right next to it. What are the goddamn odds that they can always buy a lot of land right next to the, to the school? This. I'm I'm going back to the church. This is has to be divine influence because there's no <laughs> way possible that it, always this stretch of land would open up right next to the... If you look at developers, go to Ivory Homes and find their blueprints, their next thing. They have the LDS churches condi- um, laid out. They have the schools. They have every... All of this is done backroom before ever even hits the local um, city council's for approval. It's true. I, some, some, there was a case a couple of years ago where some, like Yahoo Church, there, the, somebody made a mistake. I, I, this was out in, in um, uh, it, it was out on the west side somewhere, but they hadn't secured this early enough, and a, a church kind of got in and petitioned for the land before they'd done the the property transfer. So these deals are all cut. Um behind the scenes and there's no no, no one even pretends this is what's funny is no one even pretends it doesn't happen everybody knows this happens um, and the church has so much infl- you, you'd think that, that, that one of these um, one of these build- builders would try to strong on the church once but it only happened once but but this is another exercise ex- um, uh, it's not exorcism, but I kind of like that uh, <laughs> an, an exercise of control. Because the way the churches are built out here, if you haven't been out here, they're not in the city center. Like in, in, in traditional building, the churches are all in the middle of the town and everybody comes in. They're in the middle of the suburbs. And the church controls all this turf and all this territory. And it's sort of territorial pissing, right? You can't. You go into every neighborhood and you can find the steeple. And it's claimed, we've claimed this territory in the name of, of Queen Hinckley or whatever, however they do it. <laughs> all right. Um alcohol control. I I do want to I do want to come back to that. Because this is an area of privilege and it goes kind of like the shoulder caps. Because this this is where it's not as hard to get booze in the state as as you would think. And people make a lot of fuss about the four percent alcohol versus the six percent.
1: Including you. Uh,
0: um <laughs> Well I don't because I can't get drunk on beer no matter what what it is. There's too much liquid in there. I'm just gonna spend all night in the potty. Um <laughs> But I think I was—I I should verify this. But the difference is, you'd have to drink another half a beer for a six-pack or something. But people make hay about it because it's—it's it's just this element of control that's ridiculous. And and the Zion curtain and all that is kind of a bullying technique where the church says we're in, we're showing you who's in charge. It's the same way the maficio mof, mof, or whatever goes through neighborhoods and collects a little bit of protection money, right? This is the church going into bars, which they shouldn't care about at all, and saying, we're going to show you who's in charge. We're going to show you what's going on and what's what. We're going to make it a
3: little bit hard. It serves no practical purpose. There's no rationale for it. And yet it's a reminder every time you're in a bar. I I work by the Cheesecake Factory, and you can't go and sit in their bar because there's this big glass wall there, and it's just a constant reminder of who's in charge around here.
0: Right. And bumbling around all these laws. And some of them are plain old ridiculous. Uh, a great one. You can't order a second drink. Like... um Without the first one there. So what this encourages you is you're like, I need another drink. So you just throw the one back rather than just leave it there. Like if you go to a restaurant or a bar in another state, you'll see a bunch of drinks on the table that aren't finished because people didn't finish them. Not in the state of Utah because you got to down that thing if you want another one. So I think sometimes the laws have unintended consequence. But – They'll shut pools down and complain about stores and, and do this, that, and the other, parade permits, just to kind of push everybody around a little bit. It's And I, I, I say it's not so much privilege, because I can get whatever alcohol I want in the state of Utah, and I've been all around. It's not that much more expensive here than it is other places, um, but it's just they're going to make it a little bit hard. They're going to make you pay for it just a tiny little bit.
3: There's another one in the in the zoning uh, ordinances. They prohibit a certain number of bars per block. And so there's a reason why Salt Lake City doesn't have a bar scene like they do in many towns where they're All in one place, right? right? Where you can go and go bar hopping without getting in a car. The unintended consequence of that is in Utah, you have to get in your car to drive to the next bar, which is ridiculous. What? Who thought that was a good idea? I mean, but yet certainly
1: not the Mormon senators that get pulled over for DUIs. Yeah, well,
3: yeah, exactly. But but it's it's just another example of. Influencing laws for no purpose whatsoever, just to make it more uncomfortable or more difficult for people who don't
0: you know, yeah. follow the same yeah, rules. Yeah, like I cannot order, um, I cannot order a bottle of scotch and have it shipped to my house. I can go down to the DATC and have them buy order me a case of scotch from wherever I want in the world. I just have to ship to the DATC. What, how, how does that make any sense at all? What, like, oh, we don't want you to order one bottle, but six? Okay, that's, then you're in the word of wisdom. What, what, what's going on there? It's, well, I'll tell you what's going on. It's just muscle flexing.
3: And, okay. and tax.
0: Uh, so this, is,
5: this is off the alcohol topic, although I find it absolutely absurd. Um,
0: Not alcohol. Can I just,
5: I brought the beer and it was wonderful (gasps) for those who participated. Everybody is so
1: tall here tonight, it's a little, (laughs) oh my
5: gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite as tall as all over there, but anyways, um, this is going back to the seminary thing. And it, it's not, it's totally ridiculous that we plot out this little piece of land next to every school. But it, I think it speaks to something else that how this privilege is indoctrinated into kids of middle school age and up. Correct. And I went, I, I went to school in American Fork, heart of Utah Valley. Um, you knew every single kid that didn't go to seminary because we marched our little asses over there <laughs> every day just to that little building in the corner of the school. And we knew that 98% of my high school graduated from seminary because it's so ridiculous. And I think this privilege, I mean this uh, this in-code talk or whatever we were talking about uh-huh. earlier. It's talked about and started incredibly early.
1: I had a friend that broke up with her boyfriend because he she found out he was skipping seminary to go to like, you know, the gas station to get a burrito.
0: <laughs> I wish I'd skip more seminary. <laughs> I still think it ugh. I still don't
2: get that. I, I, I'm still confused by that—the whole um seminary buildings being next to high school thing. I, I can't get over because we had early morning seminary on the East Coast at six o'clock in the morning, and it was miserable. Like, well, and, should be. <laughs> and, and I'll never forget. Like, my grandmother was—you know, she—you know, she is used to waking up, but she would wake me up, and I'd be like, "Really? Am I doing this? Why?" And it was, and and there was fourteen members. And my and my high school with 2,500 students. So once again, the, this concept of a seminary building next to a high school was completely foreign until I got here. So I could definitely see that. One of the things I was going to ask, um, in reference to this um, cultural privilege area that we're talking about, is about the front runner. Okay, for those of us who want to get out of Utah County, it does not run on Sundays. Why? It, do, you th- do you think that that has something well, to do with the it, church, it, or is it, that it,
0: no demand? Maybe? Well, for a while, tracks would run only on conference weekend. Yeah, does front runner do that? Like the church? It doesn't. I mean, there's maybe, a great possibly. example of privilege because the church got them to um, go over that exemption.
2: Cause I'm not 100% sure about that, but I, I know it does not run on every Sunday.
1: Well, have you also noticed how it stops running just before a bar last call? Yep. So no one can avoid driving home drunk exactly. to another county at exactly. night?
0: No, th- th- this is, this is true. Actually, um, I'm, I'm facing this tonight. I thought about uh, my daughter and I are going to a concert here um, in, in a little bit and um, tracks is right next to the studio and it goes right by where we're going, but. They close it down, or like an all-age concert has to be done in the Save Utah by 11, but there's no way, you have to leave the concert early. To hit the, This is fucking stupid. Like, like. <laughs> If you
1: guys would just make the right choices and stay in church, then why would you need it to be working <laughs> on Sunday?
3: I think sure. there's that's people are that. I think people think that. I really do.
1: Well, I'm kind of past the topic now, but as we were talking about seminary buildings, I was just thinking, I don't know for certain, but as I was thinking where I grew up in West Valley, by every elementary is the church by every elementary? Wow. Hillersville. My oh, husband's in West Valley. Mine in West Valley. I'm just thinking that I think it's by every. That every goes elementary. with my experience as well. Yeah, yeah. Now that you mention it.
0: Well, we we, we also have a thing. Um, I know this from my work with the police department, um, and I know this isn't going to garner a lot of sympathy, but maybe you should open your hearts a little bit. If, if you're a convicted sex offender, there's very few places in the state of Utah you can actually live. Because they have these halos around churches and they build churches in, in the communities. <laughs> and, and there are whole cities where no registered sex offender, um, and, and all, registered sex offenders might be public nudity, um, you know, you were, have especially, there's a whole bunch of registered sex offenders, um, who got caught in the 80s or 70s having, um, gay sex in a, in a car or something like that. Um, you know, so consensual adult activity, they're still registered sex offenders and they can't go anywhere near schools and they're and they're so once again and that, that, that goes for bars and, and things too. You know, there is this rule that Mark was talking about where they you can't have you can only have one bar per block and things like this, but there's also this zoning thing that there's these little patches of town where you can actually open like restaurants and, and bars. Which serves no purpose? Yeah, it's 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 crazy. That's the biggest problem. It's not the liquor laws so much as the Salt Lake does not have districts. It doesn't have the club district. Yeah. It doesn't have the, the, the bar district for these reasons. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason for the laws. And, and
3: it would make perfect sense to put them all in one place so people can go around and do different things without getting in a car, being safe. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Well, I, the cabs can come to one if place. If you remember when
0: Rocky, Rocky Anderson wanted to set up a beer garden sort of around Pioneer Park, which has been, a, which has been a problem. But the law, he had acted the laws and, and it just happened this year this, in the legislature where the church comes down and says, we're good with the laws the way they are. Yeah. And it just shot all all attitude of reform now. Okay, so we've talked, I've been talking a lot. I want, I want, to, I want to go back to, um, to finish out um, because I'm talking from my white male privilege. And facial hair privilege is a new one we have to add to the, add to the list, right?
1: I can't, I can't grow a beard. Yet.
0: Yet. There's always time. Don't give up. There's still lots of time. There's lots of time. Lindsay, so uh, what, 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 what have we missed?
1: I mean I think I think there are a lot of little ways signalling like you said that names, heritage, that stuff. But I, I agree that don't have necessarily real significance, but in wards with your microaggressions and your little societies there there are privileges we don't talk about. Like um if you have kids or if you don't have kids, if you're married, if you're not married, those kind of things within a ward that makes you privileged. And have access to power that you wouldn't have otherwise if you're a single mom uh, you'll be doted on for a while but you'll also be considered a sort of burden in and an out and in and mm-hmm. other
0: mm-hmm. good true
2: I can totally see um, the Mormon privilege in, in, in Utah um, it's effective and like we said um, we talked about alcohol we talked about um, in elections I'm um, you know I was just mentioning, we were talking, when we talked a little bit about that, I was thinking of, you know, our last presidential election, how that had some, you know, kind of play, like, oh no, who you voted for. If you are a true member of the church, you would vote for Brother Mitt Romney, you know, and stuff like that. And and, I do have
1: to say one thing about that. So when I taught, I was still teaching preschool during the election, and uh, it was President's Day, and we're teaching the kids about presidents, and I said, this is President Obama. He's our current president. And one little girl, started to cry. And she looked at me and said, "Miss Lindsay, you don't like Obama, do you? And I was like, well, I don't know how to answer this without getting in trouble. But yeah, it's, it's a huge thing.
2: And, and it, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing in our, um, male privilege. Of course, obviously I have a problem with that. Um, ultimately here in, in
0: Utah and,
2: as a gay male and oh go ahead
0: no no i'm i'm, I'm fascinated with where you're going uh, I, i'm assuming that you're on the underside of this you're 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 the you're not talking about the male privilege you exercise that you you experience exactly. in a negative way go go on i'm fascinated <laughs> what i what i
2: was saying is is i ultimately a, as a black male i don't feel like i have shared the same privileges with with white males here in utah i have the male equivalent sure But still, it's kind of that's even skewed. That's even questionable whether or not because I'm also gay. So that kind of it's really for
1: your own good, so you'll never be a son of perdition. So it's okay. There you go. Um,
2: I always, I always think in my mind one of these days I'm probably gonna get excommunicated because the fact that I am openly, you know, I'll I'll go up and speak and say I'm gay, you know, or I'll be, I'll, I'll stick up for gay rights, you know. I'm thinking what's what's next as far as this whole.
0: Um take Kelly thing just don't wear
1: down. glasses in a tailored suit and go to temple Square during priesthood
0: <laughs> I, I, I can't even pretend to understand what it's like um but the only thing that I have that's similar is when I go to a family reunion because you know there's a lot of people there, and i I know I've heard some of the rumors of what they say about me they 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 think they yeah <laughs> 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 um, some of it's true. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, just, but just that, that where people are glancing at you, they don't interact with you normally. Um, some talk down. Some talk sideways. Some of them are fidgety. And once again, I don't want to co-op anybody's story. And I exercise quite a bit of privilege. But it just gives me a tiny taste of what it must be like. And it's awful. It's, it's pretty intense. Pretty. So. And it's it's going to be
2: ever present exactly and you notice that you pick it up like i I wish my friends actually have mentioned to me a couple of times they're like Terrell does that make you uncomfortable you know <laughs> are you are you okay with being that token person and a couple of my friends were like we were not making the token black friend we were not we were purposely saying that you are our friend and are willing to stick up for me and everything in situations where people will say things that are completely inappropriate even in the Mormon setting it's
1: just my completely. my best friend is uh Hawaiian, and we called her the Lamanite, as long as I can remember. She was my Lamanite sidekick. That's what we called her.
2: Sidekick. So, you know, and... Tonto.
1: Yeah, exa- <laughs> right, exactly. And it, I didn't... I mean, it was always funny because it was racist, but we didn't know it was racist, and that's why it was funny. You know what I mean? Because we're not racist because I have a friend that's Hawaiian, so...
0: All right, so I, I think to finish this out, um, you know, like, like where I started, and, and this is a point that Lindsay has made quite a bit to me and to others is we all experience privilege in certain ways. And, and I would say that the takeaway is, yes, there's, there's, there's privilege in Utah. It's probably not the way that most people see it. And it's, it's political and all that kind of stuff. But there, 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 there are benefits to not being part of part of the faith, especially when you work for companies that are not LDS. When you start signaling that you're not Mormon, you get part of a good old boys network too. So I've mentioned before that I think my education in BYU was decent. It was a, it was a good school. Um, I, I took classes on evolution and science. And usually, for almost 99% of the time, except for the kooky religion professors, they taught what they were supposed to teach. And I, I had a really good education at BYU. problem is when I left the church, I gave away the one benefit that you really have as a BYU graduate, which is the alumni network, the good old boys network. And, and we haven't talked about that a lot because this is about privilege in Utah. And that, that, that will get you more in Washington, D.C., actually, than it will in Salt Lake City. But the other thing happens here. Once you can signal to people that you're not a Mormon, there is a good old boys network around that, too. And so when people say, oh, I've got to move to Utah. I'm afraid of the Mormons. I remind them that the single largest underground ex-anti-whatever-Mormon network is right here in Salt Lake City. And you're going to find more people I I've been on this tour this this um this year and I go to some of the cities you know like Phoenix or or wherever and the ex-mormons are actually a lot tighter and but they have this perception that in Utah we're all the, like, this really tight in group of ex-mormons it's like no there's too goddamn many of us you can just go to any bar and it's full of ex-mormons we don't have the same kind of tight network they have in in in, in Phoenix and there is power in that so so there is and and things do things do shift and change so uh,
3: one thing I was just going to say uh, relating to that same point, which is that I have friends who are lawyers, who are professionals and well-known in this state who are in the closet about the fact that they're ex-Mormons and there's they're, that's intentional because they are very concerned professionally on the impact of coming out of the closet, so to speak, exactly well, yeah, no. uh, uh, of not being LDS anymore. So they will not tell people, uh, I get asked regularly in my profession whether I'm LDS. People will hire me or not hire me based on the answer to that question. So you have to be careful even as an ex-Mormon, you know, you can still kind of somehow have it both ways. Um, I'm still technically a member and so I can, I can use that whichever way kind of suits me. Unfortunately, I do that sometimes, right. but you, it does have impacts. Leaving the church has an impact
0: professionally on that same old voice. Oh, network. I agree. I work for a fortune. I think we're 19. I work for a fortune 30 company. Which means I'm protected. They can't fire me for my religious s- statement. But if I were for a Utah company, they could find a way, right? So, so yeah, that privilege, there's tons of lawyers, doctors, dentists, people who have private practice in the state of Utah who have to stay in the church in the closet because their practice will die if they leave. Yeah, that's true. All right. So again, I would invite everybody to check your own privilege to, to realize what it is that you have, what it is that you've been given. And you don't have to necessarily be ashamed of it, but it's it's something to look at for, for those people around you and see, well, how can I contribute? Um, and I would invite those who use the term privilege to try to silence others to say, it's better to bring everybody into the dialogue.
1: And I would just like to say, if you'd like to... Help Kate Kelly, everyone go submit an ordained women profile. Sorry, that was completely off topic, but. I'm just
0: wondering what my ordained women profile would <laughs> look like. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know, I, I have the priesthood. I no, I, I, I have, as much priesthood as anybody else. I'll ordain whoever wants, ordination. <laughs> Five dollars. <laughs> Cheap. All right. Well, um, Thanks for, um, for talking about privilege, Lindsay. Um, thanks for, um, once again coming on here. Um, I, I know you, you tried to tell me that, um, it may not be a good day, but I wanted you here because I wanted people to hear your voice and it's important. Uh, the things that are happening right now are very important and, um, we all have an important role and I need to use the word important one more time before,
4: uh,
1: just say I'm incredible.
0: You're incredible. Lindsay. All
1: feminists are incredible.
0: Absolutely. Um, they're fighting, uh, uh, I have been attempted to, um, quote, um, Atlas Shrugged more than once. Don't read the book. Rand is a, she's, but, but it, the storyline is playing out, right? It, um, she's just, she's just wrong about her, her philosophy. That, that there comes a point when sometimes we have to shrug off these systems. And build our own. The Americans, um I'm proud to be an American, but we've done some awful things. One of the awful things we did is we firebombed Tokyo. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to mention it. We killed 400,000 people in the city of Tokyo and because it was mostly made of wood, and we burned it to the ground. Um, but they didn't stop. They just rebuilt it. Tokyo is a fabulous city now. And in the ruins of previous civilizations can come great things. On the ruins of, we all got deal to raw deal. We all were born in this crazy church. And we can sit and fuss about it and worry about it. And talk about our lack of privilege of being born here. We can just start building something new. We have an opportunity. And um, we went through it and now we have a chance to help other people. And that's the spirit I'm trying to cultivate. That's why I'm still here. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again to our lovely um, studio audience and to to all of you out there as uh, Mormon Expression listeners. Uh, again, uh, we will be launching our new podcast, Reasonability, um, which will be available, um, via iTunes on, um, July 6th. And we will be recording the first episode here in the studio on, it'll already have happened by the time you hear this, but on the 29th, Champagne at 7 o'clock and the recording at 8. Um, and then just stay tuned. Check out our website at MormonExpression.com. Go to Whitefield's Educational we'll see all the wonderful things we're doing. And thanks to all of you. Good night.
4: the Expressions is a production of the whitefields educational foundation visit us online at whitefieldseducational.org to find more about our current initiatives Form expressions is recorded live in downtown salt lake on tuesday nights at 7 p.m if you're in the area please come join us in the studio